श्री गुरु वैष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जय ग्रंथ राज श्रीमद् भागवत की जय बहुत प्रेमानंद reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, first canto, second chapter. In the second chapter, the sages, excuse me, Sutta Goswami begins to answer the questions of the sages headed by Shonaka in the setting of Naimi Sharanya. Six questions were asked and we're in the beginning here of the answering of the first and Second, really, of those. Tonight we come to verse 7. Vasudeve Bhagavati Bhakti Yoga Prayojita Janayati Ashu Bhairagyam Gyanam Chayarahoi to come. The previous verse ended with the words Yayatma Suprasidati, which was what the sages inquired about, how this, this their selves their intelligence, their mind, Atma can mean all of these things, can be fully satisfied. One thing we know for sure, that material desires and their pursuit will never fully satisfy the mind, will never fully satisfy the, the intellect or the self, the soul, the Atma in the fullest sense of the term, and certainly they will not satisfy the paramatma either. So a different thing altogether has been recommended as to how that can be accomplished, and that is bhakti yoga. As mentioned, zavai pumsam paro dharma yato bhakti yayatma so the nature of that supersedity, that satisfaction of the of the self, it's it's capable of bhakti yoga satisfying the mind, the senses, the the intellect, the self, and the supreme self. Full range, that means to say, of the implications of the word atma. Fully satisfied, the self. Material desires, by contrast, or material things that are desired for, cannot satisfy any of these at all, even if you take all of the material things. The results or the fruits of all material desires all at once. It cannot fully satisfy any of these. Um, it cannot satisfy the paramatma, the atma, the intelligence, the, the, the mind, the senses. Hmm? Now we come so to some description here as to the nature of that satisfaction. It might be thought that given the, the truth about the um, inability of material desires and material things that we desire um, to satisfy the self in any respect, that maybe the self will be satisfied by giving up things. Entirely. But here the text says no, that's not the way it works. Vasudeva Bhagavati Bhakti Yoga Prayojita. So it wants to explain the nature of that satisfaction that is bhakti, 
how bhakti satisfies the self. You would think, well, you know, you, gotta, you can't have any material desires if they're a problem. Hmm? True, but um, how, do, how to arrive at that, uh, how one arrives at that in the context of bhakti, that is being discussed here. So Vasudeva Bhagavati. Hmm? Vasudeva. Unto Vasudeva. Who is Bhagavati? Who is the who is the Godhead? Hmm? They asked about him. Why has the son of Devaki and Vasudeva appeared in the world and so forth? So he's the subject. And the object, uh, he's the object of love, of bhakti yoga. Vasudeva Bhagavati Bhakti Yoga Prayojitaha. He says that devotion unto, or, or bhakti yoga unto Vasudeva, the personality of Godhead, Vasudeva Sri Krishna. Vasudeva means the son of, of uh, Vasudeva. Vasudeva is the son of Vasudeva. Um, this special kind of uh, bhakti yoga here, bhakti yoga prayojita. Prayojita means by application of oneself in bhakti in relation to Vasudeva, Sri Krishna. But this um, application, prayojita, also, the word implies a special kind of application. We will apply, pra, pra, we will apply ourselves in bhakti, in a special kind of bhakti. A bhakti that is, it also means here, endowed, yojitaha, pra, it is especially, especially endowed with feelings like dasya, sakya, uh, vatsalya and madhurya, hmm? which is the prayojana. This is another way to understand the, what this word is talking about, which means bhakti for its own sake. In, in bhakti, we don't do bhakti to give up bhakti. We do bhakti for increasing bhakti. The fruit, the goal of bhakti, therefore, is bhakti. So, bhakti unto itself, for its own sake. Hmm? Bhakti, yoga, prayojita. Bhakti, for the sake of the prayojan. Hmm? Prayojan means bhakti itself. Hmm? Bhakti for bhakti. So, when we do bhakti for bhakti, then we don't do bhakti for gyan. We don't do bhakti for bhairagya. Hmm? The two things mentioned here. Janayatu ashu vairagyam gyanam chairohoitikam. Nonetheless, the verse says, when we do bhakti for bhakti's sake alone, or when we do bhakti, same idea, that is endowed with a special feeling, special excellences, it means rasa, the prayojan, that kind of bhakti, the fruit of bhakti, Prem bhakti, we do that kind of bhakti, in pursuit of that kind of bhakti, and as we attain that that kind of bhakti, then janiyati ashu vairagyam jnanam chayarahoitikam. Knowledge and detachment, ashu, 
they come very quickly. Hmm? That means to say that that bhakti is the queen and jnana and vairagya are like maidservants that attend to her. Hmm? So without any endeavor, um, independently of bhakti, to renounce or to acquire knowledge, knowledge means here knowledge of the self, hmm? knowledge of the difference between the self and matter. Hmm? There are disciplines for pursuing that knowledge. There are disciplines that uh, uh, for uh, that uh, involve um, detachment hmm? in and of themselves. Um, we don't do that in bhakti. Here, this what is being described here is that uh, the, the, as Rupa Goswami is explained in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, after describing many, many angas of bhakti, many limbs of bhakti, many ways in which bhakti is expressed, he says, jnana and vairagya are not limbs of bhakti. This is a heavy statement because jnana and vairagya are so highly esteemed. Mm-hmm. If we see someone has knowledge and detachment, these are opulences that make us attract, attract us to them. And we think, oh, that's, a, that's a important. They're, they're important. Hmm? And there are paths, as I say, methods, practices, directly aimed at getting that knowledge, directly aimed at uh, arriving at the results of detachment or, or becoming detached. Hmm? So these are not part of bhakti. That's hmm? a very powerful as I say, statement, a very kind of revolutionary idea because at least many times said ordinarily, people think, well, there's the chatur, you know, goals, the four purusharthas, there's wealth and there's sense indulgence and fulfillment and then there's uh, economic development and there's moksha. Hmm. Moksha is different from the other three and it involves knowledge and detachment. This is the big thing. This is uh, this is, uh, <laughs> and it stands out. So you can see it. So, and someone. So he's saying these are not cultivating these things. These are is not to cultivate bhakti. He's saying, Bhagavad is saying here, these things, jnana and vairagya, they are natural attendants of bhakti, like maidservants to the queen. Simply by pursuing bhakti for its own sake. These things come along hmm, as byproducts. They are not the means, but rather the a, a secondary fruit of bhakti. Hmm. Well, very well if I don't... Uh, of course, what does, it, what, what does it mean? It means here that vairagya, detachment, and... Gyan are, as I say, paths, methods unto themselves. These are not part of bhakti, but jnana and renunciation nonetheless are within bhakti. They develop as a result of bhakti. So we will see in devotees knowledge, but it's a, it's, it's a different kind of knowledge. It's the knowledge that enables one to have sakya, dasya, vatsalya, madhuri. It's the knowledge not only of 
Tuam, Tuam Padartha, but Tat Padartha. Tuam means thou, and Tat means that. So Tat Tuamasi is the famous Upanishadic dictum, thou art that. In the Gita, for example, we have the first six chapters emphasizes knowledge of thou, what you are. The soul, atma, different from the body. Second seven, six chapters, talking about bhakti, talk about that, what that is. That is Brahman. And, and, and how you are that, of the same quality as God. And how you, can, how you should be one in desire with God and so forth. Thou art his, rather than thou art that. It can also be translated that way, of course. So, this then, knowledge of both, and the relationship between the two, that kind of knowledge is part of bhakti. Hmm? Knowledge simply about the uh, oneness between atman paramatma, between the soul and, and brahman, that we're not cultivating. That comes in the context of cultivating knowledge of our relationship with Bhagavan, knowledge of his form, his qualities, his pastimes, and so forth, knowledge of all these things. Now, you see, knowledge of these things soften the heart. When we hear how affectionate Krishna is, hmm, the heart becomes softened. And we hear how beautiful Krishna is, and we and we see the artist, devotee artist, trying to render that with his or her heart. And we feel Krishna's attractive; it softens the heart. When we hear the beautiful Krishna, kirtan of Krishna's names, it makes our heart soft. Hmm? Whereas cultivating knowledge of the of the oneness between the self and Brahman, it doesn't make the heart soft. Hmm? And that discipline is one that's centered on arguing and um, debating and, and so on and so forth. Sometimes we do that for the sake of bhakti, but, but this is the entire discipline of jnana. You're not this, you're not that, neti, neti. So this, is, this causes actually a hardening of the heart. Hmm? Knowledge uh, brings with it some some pride and sense of self uh, esteem. It's a power. Hmm? So to cultivate that kind of knowledge, this is counterproductive for one who wants to be a devotee, because the prem is all about the softening of the heart. Hmm? This is our goal: to soften the heart. We have examples, uh, extreme example of Rupa Goswami and Sanatana Goswami who were said to have been approached by one fellow who wanted to debate and defeat them and so forth. They were so busy with their bhakti, hearing and chanting about Krishna, they just said, give us a paper that says we defeated you defeated us and we'll sign it. <laughs> hmm. They weren't interested in arguing with him. With Sometimes we had to argue for establishing what is bhakti. <laughs> and what is not bhakti and so forth. But too much of this, even, hmm? it's, it's, it's troublesome. Hmm? 
too much of this. Some place for it, but we have to be careful. Hmm? Argument tends to harden the heart. Hmm? If we can, if we can argue in such a way as to soften another person's heart, that's that's a powerful kind of arguing. Then, hmm? of course, you need people who accept the scriptural conclusions that when you present them, they can understand them and so forth. So anyway, there's a kind of knowledge in bhakti, hmm? knowledge of the nature of Bhagawan that we want, and that is concomitant to bhakti. That comes automatically. And knowledge of the oneness between the self and Brahman, in the fact that we're consciousness, not matter, that's, uh, that's also there without having to try for it, so to speak, in, 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 a, in, a, in a discipline unto itself. And similarly with detachment, then, there's much to be said about detachment, uh, has been said by Rupa Goswami. It's also heart-hardening, Mm, tends to be. So we only detach or uh, engage in, in, in enunciation relative to bhakti. Indeed, we renounce things that are not favorable to bhakti. See, this is then you're focused on bhakti and automatically renunciation is included in that because there's something not favorable to bhakti, then you want to give it up. Mm? And also here, uh, on the on the deliberation upon uh, Bhairagya given by Rupa Goswami, where uh, after he says these two Gyan and Bhairagya are not limbs of Bhakti, he goes on discussing about it and so forth. It's worth worth mentioning here. He he says that um, that there's a what I mean by that is there there the false renunciation is not Bhakti. It means giving up things unto itself that have their application in relation to Bhagwan, that is not bhakti. Indeed, that may be offense, even. He says, in other words, for example, there are things like in relation to Bhagwan, like we offer food to Bhagwan. Hmm? If we take that prashad, we offer it to somebody. He says no. In the name of being detached, renounced. That's an aparad. Hmm? And there are people like that. They say, wouldn't we give up those beads? Give up the flower garlands. Off from the, all this stuff should be renounced. Everything should be renounced. Hmm? Things in relation to Bhagwan shouldn't be renounced. Hmm? We should use those things, uh, engage ourselves in, in activities even... That might involve things of the world without being detached to them unto themselves, using them for the service of the Lord. Like we, like for example, offering prasad. So we grow nice vegetables and fruits, nuts, and we prepare them and so forth. We offer them. We're absorbed in all these things, but in the context of using them for the pleasure of Bhagwan, and then we honor. Hmm, what he gives back, what are the remnants? Hmm. So this is called then yukta bhairagya. It's a special kind of renunciation that is that that um, is part of uh, is included in bhakti, We're in, in, in giving up things that are not favorable to Krishna, hmm. and accepting the things. That are that people say you should you know the Ghanis will think you know oh they're attached to their music 
that should be given up. The uh, Prakashananda Saraswati in Banaras complained about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He's a sannyasi, but it's a little embarrassing. He's in the street singing and dancing. Sannyasi should give that up. Culture, knowledge, and so forth. But what was the nature of his singing and dancing? Prakashananda was uh, was soon to find out by the mercy of Mahaprabhu, who melted his heart, of course, and converted him into um, being a devotee. So, it doesn't mean here when we when, when or when Rupa Goswami explains that um, vairagya is not a part, is not a limb of bhakti, that devotees won't endeavor to control their senses, to let go of material desires that have nothing to do with bhakti and things that they, they do make endeavor for that. That's bhakti. Hmm? And here the verse saying, we see this kind of renunciation coming in them and we see the kind of knowledge I mentioned earlier coming in them. In them. Knowledge about Bhagawan, his qualities, his pastimes, his form. Hmm? They become absorbed in these things. Hmm? Knowledge of the difference between the world and ourselves, some of the world and Bhagwan, uh, the nature of our relationship with, with Bhagwan, with the world and so forth. This kind of knowledge we find coming in them. This is Ashu, Gyanam, Vairagyam, Cha, very quickly coming in them. Because how could it not? <laughs> If you're going to do bhakti to Krishna, you have to have knowledge of what he's like. So very quickly you learn Krishna's like this. He plays the flute. He wears the peacock feather. He's called Risham. And we start talking about his pastimes, his charming nature and so forth. So very quickly, knowledge is coming. It's concomitant. It's part of bhakti. And of course, further or deeper, it means that very quickly if you apply yourself in bhakti, inner wisdom and experience of all these things will come and we'll see in that devotee very quickly also in a a, a general sense as I say to begin with detachment he's going to give up he's going to learn this is not favorable for bhakti okay I let that go Hmm? so we should see this kind of detachment and this kind of knowledge in devotees very quickly Hmm? But um, it's something that is cultivated, so to speak, indirectly. It's kind of concomitant to bhakti. So there's no independent uh, disciplines. Here the knowledge, knowledge, he says, Vasudeva Bhagavati Bhakti Yoga Prayoji Janayati Ashu Vairagyam Gyanam Cha Yad Ahoy Tukam. Vishnu Chakravitakra says, this knowledge is a hoituki. So he wants to differentiate it again, as I've, as I've said, from other kind of spiritual, generic kind of spiritual knowledge. It's knowledge that, that is, that's, that's causeless. Hmm? Causeless knowledge. So it's knowledge that's concomitant of bhakti, because we heard in the previous verse, bhakti is, is causeless. Hmm? So not independent knowledge, not an independent discipline, neither of these as disciplines unto themselves. Bhairagya or Gyan are limbs of bhakti, and indeed they can be counterproductive to bhakti. Rupa Goswami goes as far as saying that in the beginning they can be a little 
a little useful. Hmm? Hmm? If you have it. But adhikar for bhakti involves not being too detached and not being too uh, inclined towards enjoyment. Sometimes, because sometimes you have to enjoy in the context of bhakti. Sometimes you have to enjoy the feast. Lord has offered, you have to enjoy that. Okay, I will enjoy it. <laughs> and sometimes you have to fast. Hmm? And, and, uh, and be detached. Whenever Prabhupada uh, would be meeting with someone, and it happened a few times, and the person would, Prabhupada would offer prasad, you know, after the thing, said, oh, I'm, I'm fasting. Somebody who, some person of the devotees brought to me, and I heard a couple times on tapes, and they said they'd be fasting. And Prabhupada said, why are you fasting? What is the reason? What is the purpose? In bhakti, we, you know, there's no fasting unto itself, because it's the Lord's day, ekadasi. Hmm? So, we'll fast, or because it's a celebration of his appearance day, and we, we won't want to spend time eating, we want to spend time feeding <laughs> instead. Hmm? So, uh, with a purpose in mind, in relation to bhakti, and they would say, well, you know, I'm cleansing my system, or they would, you know, have an idea that it was spiritual unto itself, fasting, a kind of you know, renunciation, detachment. So, you know, these things harden the heart. These things may even get in the way. They may become, in the name of detachment, you may make offense. Hmm? Giving up the chanting, giving up the song, giving up the, uh, the prashad. Hmm? Uh, there was a nice um, story uh, that... Uh, of an uh, event that occurred, I've told it before, at Chidor Marsh's Mat, Chitana Saraswat Mat, um, when one of my godbrothers came there, and it was a codice, and the kirtan was, he was leading the kirtan, the Arctic, so the Arctic, they let him lead the Arctic, he was a good kirtaneer, tall man, Nishodananda was his name, he was a sannyasi at that time, and, and, and he would leap high in the air, you know, playing the drum, leap, and play on the drum. And um, so that news came to Sridhar Maharshal. And Bohisha, we wanted to bring him to Darshan. Iskand devotees here. He's leaping in the air. And, and, um, and they're playing the drum during the kirtan. And, and so he came, had the Darshan of Sridhar Maharshal. And was just talking to him. And so in the Darshan finished, he said, so you'll take some prasad. He said, actually, I am fasting. Today is a codice, and I have taken a vow on Ekadasi to observe Nirjal, every Ekadasi, no water, no food. And Sridhar said, Nirjal, and, and jumping with the drum, and high in the kirtan, and fasting at the same time. Fasting, Nirjal usually means sit down. You're not going to jump around. There he was, you know, so he was, wow, that's amazing. And he said, so you will not take anything, nothing. Hmm? You know, because Sridhar Maharshal offering him a Kadasi Prashad. And, um, and then he said, well, uh, if this is my vow, and I've been following it for some time, but if you want me to take, then certainly I will take. Sridhar Maharshal said, that is Vaishnavism. <laughs> oh, he was very pleased that he had, he was he had captured that point. Yes, this is Vaishnavism. The Vaishnavism is offering Prashad. 
at his moths and so forth, uh, to please the Vaishnava, we'll break our vow. Hmm? Our austerity, our detachment, our renunciation and so forth. Again, as I've said many times, in bhakti we progress by sangha. In the gyanmarg, which means adding something. And in, in gyanmarg we advance by giving something up, by detachment. The measure of your progress will be seen in Ganmarg by your detachment. Hmm? The measure of your progress in Bhakti Marg will be the, the degree of your attachment to advanced devotees and their association. Hmm? That tendency to gravitate towards hearing from, and associating with, uh, with, uh, with other devotees, especially those who are more advanced, that's good for us. Hmm? That's how we make progress. Detachment comes from, from other things automatically. Here it says, Vasudeva Bhagavati Bhakti Yoga Prayojita. Hmm? This bhakti is so nice, this endowed as it is, this, this Shuddha Bhakti hmm? that Rupa Goswami, the Bhagavati, he's drawing from Bhagavatam, hmm? that it culminates in Prem and particular extraordinary uh, sentiments of love of God that conquer Bhagwan himself. The mind, the atma, becomes filled with this, filled up with this, and as it's so beautiful, prayojita means means it means it's very specially, wonderfully endowed. This bhakti, it's so sweet, it's taste that that the taste for things other than bhakti becomes uh, just repulsive and and and. And uh, undesirable, hmm? automatically. Hmm? The self cannot be satisfied as it began with material desire, but this bhakti is so fulfilling. Hmm? Automatically, other things that will never satisfy you, that you've been preoccupied with, will be revealed for what they are. Hmm? It will be apparent by way of comparison. Hmm? If I ask you to give something up, huh? um, material desires, um, uh, if I can give you something better in its place by which you can make a comparison, the idea is then, oh, that's very easy. Hmm? So there's, there is some effort, but it's this great help on the part of, part, part of Bhagawan, who's merciful in the context of bhakti, gives us some, some taste. Hmm? Especially as taste, an enduring and reliable taste comes in ruchi. Therefore, we find Chaitanya Mahaprabhu speaking about ruchi bhakti in this way. Nadanam, nadanam, nasundarim, kabitam va. He's talking about ruchi for bhakti and he says, I have no taste for this, no taste for this, no taste for that. What I have a taste for? Babatat bhakti rahitukitui. For bhakti. In Ruchimit, he has a taste for bhakti. And if we want to see who has a taste for bhakti, who has no taste for other things, this is a way to measure. Hmm? Of course, we can see also he has a taste for bhakti. Hmm? Interested in it, animated by that, and, and so forth, always engaged and using the time wisely, and so on and so forth. Hmm? So, this is the nature of the self-satisfaction that's being described here. Hmm? It's such that um, 
in the cultivation of bhakti, one becomes filled up with a wonderful taste, sentiments and feelings on the positive side hmm, for Bhagavan that are so powerful that yayatma uh, supersediti, they satisfy even his atma. This is the point. What to speak of your own, what to speak of satisfying your body. This is a, another way, to, as I said, to understand atma, your mind your intelligence, yourself, that Bhagwan, the full sense of Atma is fully satisfied. Bhagwan is, is, is endeared by that. Hmm? He becomes controlled by that, animated by that. This is what Dasya, Sakya, Vatsali, and Madhurya mean. Hmm? That's what they mean. The Absolute has become the friend, the puppet, the, the, the child of Yashoda, taken care of. You know, dependent upon her, hmm? uh, and so forth. And all, all these forms of bhakti, in relation to Krishna in the Braj, they, they that what they mean in a sense is that the Brahman is completely satisfied by this. I'll do whatever you want, hmm? whatever you want. I'll I, I, I'll be. Hmm? Uh, I'm yours entirely. Hmm? So he's fully satisfied by this. This is this is the nature, and 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 so upon being involved in that, then by uh, ragya giving up the other tastes, uh, that's just, just a small thing in comparison. And knowledge of Brahman and the oneness between Atman and Brahman, oh, that is a small thing hmm? to have knowledge of Bhagwan. Hmm? That is such a big thing in comparison. Hmm? Big means big in terms of the possibilities, the 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 the, the, um, the, um, the kind of um, action, if you will, that the knowledge fosters. The knowledge of Brahman fosters no action, hmm? no action in relation to material things. That's big, because that was negative action. Hmm? Action into negative numbers, but in bhakti the knowledge is such that that it informs and fosters a kind of action. It's a, it's anukul. It's uh, uh, what is it? Uh, it's not an, it's uh, anushilanam. It's a culture. It's an active thing. Hmm? So all forms of action are informed by some type of knowledge, right? Hmm? So the knowledge of Brahman informs us in such a way that we don't act in relation to material things. And that's big, but here's action now in relation to the knowledge of Bhagavan. That's a whole other thing. And that knowledge animates the Absolute. Like I said, Krishna never sleeps. He's so much alive and turned on by that kind of bhakti, by praying. He can't, he can't go to sleep at night. This is the form of God. Krishna, hmm? in which we say this represents the absolute and is in his most um, awake, paying attention. If you were to you know, want to get the attention of the absolute, you got it here. He can't even sleep. Mm-hmm. Hmm? He can't. He, he, he never tires of that. Hmm? His full attention, the brothers, they had this full attention. Not an easy thing for a tiny, tiny spirit soul to get. So what is that kind of knowledge? 
that informs and fosters that kind of action. That's big. Hmm? It's big. It's full of affection. The knowledge of the oneness between Brahman and uh, and, and the Atma, it's, it has some affection to it, and, and I feel like bigness means affection. Hmm? How big a person is is how how, how kind they are. Hmm? That's how big you are, how loving you are, how compassionate you are. That's what makes you big in a real sense. So the Gani will be big in in that he will give up the smallness. Hmm? of this self-centered uh, acquiring tendency, exploitation, and so forth. It's not a small thing. It's a big thing. But in comparison, then, to bhakti, then it's a small thing. Hmm? So, Vasudevi Bhagavati Bhakti Yudha This bhakti endowed with special excellences of prem that completely conquers Krishna. This is the subject here. This completely satisfies the self in every sense of the term. Hmm? And things that don't satisfy you, that you may be preoccupied with, they automatically leave and very quickly. So we need to invite this kind of um, uh, bhakti into our life. It's a very positive focus by which the negative problem that we have is dealt with hmm? as a byproduct. Any question? He talks about um, the limbs of bhakti in the second chapter of the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. Hmm? After describing the various limbs, I believe just before, maybe just before he starts to talk about rag bhakti, hmm? another kind of sadhana, while he's talking about vaidhi bhakti, he says that jnana and bhairagi are not angas of bhakti. Hmm? And it may be thought of in different ways because he says they may be a little helpful, but so you might want to look at it like, well, a little knowledge of the oneness between Brahman and a little and Sajiva, a little attachment in the beginning may be a little helpful, get you going, but then bhakti takes over. It's like you might have to push start a car and then it goes on its own. But another way to, to read that is that that it's referring that little bit means referring to the proper kind of knowledge that's, in the, that's part of bhakti and the detachment that's part of bhakti that involves giving up things that are that are not favorable to bhakti. Grantaras, Srimad Bhagavatam.